G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, as we do on a Thursday, always good to catch up with Ashley Saunders, the National Director of Family Voice Australia. Ashley's joining us. Hello, Ashley. Welcome back to 2020. Oh, good morning, Neil. It's uh, great to be with you again. Ashley, the biggest thing that you've got on your agenda this week is an address uh, at the West Australian Parliament uh, doing issues uh, to do with euthanasia. Uh, What is it that uh, you're involved in? This is happening tomorrow, as I understand it. Uh, Yes, it is. I'm in Perth uh, today, and tomorrow um, I'll be giving evidence before what uh, the Western Australian Parliament calls its uh, end-of-life choices inquiry. And um, we have made a submission and we were then invited uh, for me to give oral evidence in support of that submission. And um, I would greatly value um, the prayers of your listeners uh, as I prepare and as I give evidence before that inquiry tomorrow. I imagine it's because the WA Parliament is considering uh, some euthanasia legislation and they're getting uh, submissions and they're inviting people like yourself to make those submissions to their Parliament. Uh, Do you know if that is firmly on the WA government agenda? Uh, Yes, even before the uh, state election last year or certainly shortly after the election, uh, it was put on the agenda that... um, Um, the Western Australian government was interested in having an inquiry into the possibility of permitting uh, voluntary assisted suicide uh, or uh, euthanasia. And uh, and so this is very much what the committee is about. And um, uh, I trust that uh, tomorrow uh, my comments will be seen as both loving and compassionate. Um, Love does not always give somebody what they want or what they think they want. Uh, but rather um, compassion and love sets boundaries and does what is good. And we need to ensure that, um, that laws do not come in that permit what I would call the ultimate elder abuse, um, that, um, that, that laws do not come in which could lead somebody to think that they are a burden on their family or on society and that they owe it to their family or their society to end their life. Uh, we, we often hear about dignity, and uh, we believe very firmly that there is inherent dignity and worth in every human life from conception to its natural end, and that that dignity does not depend upon life circumstances. Ashley, there is concern, isn't there? Because once the cork's out of the bottle, so to speak, uh, there is a difficulty that all Australians uh, will be facing. And, of course, uh, some will say, well, the cork is out of the bottle. Victoria passed euthanasia legislation late last year. Uh, is the likelihood that there'll be a whole lot of other states that will follow? And I wonder whether uh, this is a real battle that's ahead, especially for West Australian uh, Christians uh, who might be putting their hand up and saying, uh, you know, this is too far. Let's hold back on this euthanasia idea. Uh, is this whole idea of cork out of the bottle? Is this what's happening? There is a sense in which that's right. Um, in terms of Victoria, the law was passed, but it hasn't yet come into effect. There are not yet any 
um, legally um, carried out voluntary assisted suicides. And so even in Victoria, it's not too late, pray God, um, with a change of government and a change of will for that uh, law to be overturned before it comes into effect. Um, it is something that is spreading across the land, and um, uh, my recollection is that the Federal Greens even put it on the agenda that, that they think it's appropriate to have a, a national law that um, allows and regulates this across the whole nation to avoid there being different laws in different states. Um, and so it is very much on the agenda, and uh, it concerns us. Can I tell you a story, Neil? Sure. Uh, almost exactly 40 years ago as a young clerk, um, I instructed counsel at a coronial inquest following the death of an elderly lady in hospital. The circumstances were that she had um, undergone a knee replacement surgery and after um, she came out of surgery, her family members, um, um, one of the nurses gave evidence, were in her room and were arguing about who was not going to look after mum when she comes home from hospital because none of us want to look after mum. The medical evidence was that she became extremely unhelpful and uncooperative, became extremely difficult with her rehabilitation, as a result of which she developed a deep venous thrombosis in her knee, which dislodged and she died um, from a pulmonary embolism uh, when that um, thrombosis became an embolism and blocked uh, her heart. Now, that was 40 years ago. Uh, it is not fanciful to suggest that uh, an environment can be created if uh, these kinds of laws are allowed where somebody can think, uh, I owe it to my family, I owe it to others um, to end my life. You know, in a sense, it's the ultimate elder abuse. And in addition to that, it sends mixed messages about suicide. And the other issue, too, that comes to mind whenever I'm thinking now of this issue of euthanasia is this idea of inheritance impatience. Yes. Uh, the idea that uh, that every... Elderly persons, uh, adult children are, uh, are happy for them to grow old in grace uh, is not necessarily the case, Ashley Saunders. A lot of people uh, will be governed by their own greed and uh, to get mum or dad out of the way to get that inheritance uh, for a lot of people. I mean, uh, the, the governments that pass these laws seem to be very trusting of people, uh, thinking that people will all do the right thing. And I'm not, I'm not sure that's the case. One of the things that uh, advocates tell us is that you can put adequate safeguards. Uh, I am convinced that there are no adequate safeguards, that there are no ways of ensuring that somebody uh, isn't saying to the doctor or to the other medical professional what they know they need to say, but deep down they, they feel hounded or they feel unvalued um, and uh, they feel um, harassed. Uh, they feel like this is what I need to do. I owe it to my family um, to uh, to end my life because um, because I'm just not loved. I'm a burden. We don't want to send a message to vulnerable older people or even to vulnerable younger people that they are a burden. We want to send a message that says you are valuable. And if I can change the subject slightly, you know, there is value in suffering. Now, uh, one of the criticisms or assumptions that's often levelled at people who oppose these laws is that we have not been touched by deep suffering and um, I'm sure that just like many of your listeners have so have I and uh, you know I can I can point to my two nephews who were born with cystic fibrosis um, who have grown enormously through a lifetime of suffering uh, sure we grieve with them when they're particularly low when they're very close to death 
uh, we mourn with them when they mourn the passing of their lifelong friends who are dying from cystic fibrosis. And yet they not only have valuable lives, they, they, have, they make an enormous contribution to others. And we need to recognise that even though our society increasingly worships youth and increasingly wants a life without pain and suffering, we need to say pain is not good, suffering is not nice, but there is value and worth in every human being, even going through pain and suffering. Ashley Saunders, as you're appearing before that uh, committee tomorrow that'll be hearing evidence on the issue of euthanasia, uh, I know that a lot of listeners will be very heartened uh, to know that you are wonderful in the way that you articulate uh, some of these issues and that bringing that sort of representation will be so valuable and I suspect there'll be those listening uh, to our conversation right now who'll be thinking that they need to, (coughs) pardon me, keep you in their prayers. Let me uh, just move quickly to the idea of the Freedom Review. Pardon me. Uh, Of course, uh, the end of the month is the time when we're likely to hear some level of recommendations that come from the Radic Freedom Review. A new terminology that I've sort of picked up in this past week and uh, in a conversation, in fact, with another West Australian, uh, Dr. Augusto Zimmerman, who alerted us to the idea that there is not only risks to our freedoms when it comes to freedom of conscience, freedom of speech, freedom of association, uh, freedom of religion, but he frames this freedom in a way that I have been captivated by, and I'm interested in your thoughts, because the idea of the freedom of political communication which takes this whole idea of talking about religious freedom out of the realms of just talking about a few people in church and their freedoms, uh, but takes it to uh, every single Australian citizen who appreciates their democracy and appreciates the threat that comes when you don't have any freedom of political communication. I'm wondering, I'm interested in your thoughts on on that idea. Uh, Yes, I met with uh, Dr... Zimmerman yesterday afternoon and uh, we were talking about this very issue and the High Court has held that there is a freedom of political communication that belongs to every human Australian. Um, in addition to that, even, the, uh, even if we go to the United Nations Declaration on Human Rights, the, 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 the freedoms of thought and conscience and religion are not institutional, they belong to every person. And so we need desperately for um, bodies like the Review and others to actually understand that, uh, that this is not about um, protecting some institutional rights to some limited or other extent, but this really is about um, protecting the rights of every individual to, to those freedoms, including uh, the freedom of political communication. And so increasingly, um, when people are taken before anti-discrimination tribunals um, for uh, offending uh, some sexual or other minority, you'll find that... Um, the defence will often say uh, what we were doing was legitimate political communication and uh, I think we'll see that more and more. Okay, and uh, one last issue before I let you go because it is International Women's Day and uh, really everybody's saying nice things today about women and uh, rightly so. Uh, there is a thought though and, uh, you know, far be it from me to uh, to want to uh, sort of rock the boat or make ripples, but the thought that somehow or other a feminist agenda has overtaken some of the important issues on International Women's Day. Uh, your thoughts on, uh, on the 
value of having an International Women's Day, and given that we don't have an International Men's Day, uh, but your thoughts, Ashley Saunders, on uh, on the way that uh, we think about women on International Women's Day. I think we should think about women on International Women's Day the same as we think about women every other day. And the way that we talk um, to and about women on International Women's Day should be no different to the way we talk to and about women every other day. Um, and um, uh, women have... Um, an enormous contribution, inherent value and worth, um, and we owe so much to Jesus as the game changer who uh, introduced the idea of the value of children, the value of wives, the value of women, and not only that, uh, but Christianity. Uh, when, uh, when Paul wrote to um, the, a church and said, husbands, love your wives, uh, this was radical because everyone recognised that women had duties to their husbands, but this was the first time in the ancient world that it was being said that husbands owed a duty to their wives. Uh, you know, this was radical teaching, and we owe so much to the gospel, and we would, as a culture, do well to remember that rather than to turn our backs on it. Well, Ashley Saunders, always appreciate your wisdom and uh, certainly uh, prayers of so many listeners to our conversation today uh, will be with you and for you uh, as you address that uh, committee at the West Australian Parliament tomorrow dealing with that very important issue of euthanasia, uh, the endeavour there to uh, speak common sense uh, into uh, issues there and to reflect a Christian worldview onto the issue of euthanasia. Uh, Family Voice Australia, the fava.org.au website will undoubtedly have some detail there and some resource where listeners can arm themselves uh, with an understanding of how these things are working and some level of report on the sorts of things that you'll be presenting to the WA Parliament. Ashley Saunders, thanks so much for taking time to talk to us again today on 2020. Good, thank you, Neil, and good morning to your listeners. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.